Taking care of business like the bunch of space truckers we are, it's, need you please, a heinous trip at Warp 5. My name is Joseph. I'm a filthy space pirate, Peter. Peter, before we discuss this week's episode of Star Trek Enterprise, I have a, an encounter with the algorithm I wanted to share with you. Oh, the el- the, uh, the all-seeing algorithm, yeah? This uh, Tales of Podcast Editing? A little bit, actually. Uh, For those of you who don't know, by the way, my involvement with the podcast is I watch an episode of Star Trek uh, that's supposed to be 45 minutes. It takes about an hour and a half because I hit the pause button a lot. I write my little diary. I talk to Joe for about an hour about Star Trek. Uh, Maybe sometimes I come up with a title. And then other than that, I live a carefree, happy life away from this podcast. It's Joe doing all the heavy lifting. I, I, this was the bargain that I struck way at the beginning because it's like, well, I, I'm the one without kids and it's also my idea. So I thought well, I'll offer to do the editing and do all the promotion and all that. That way Peter will agree. And here we are four and a half years later. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just never sign on the dotted line with the devil, my friends. <laughs> so this algorithm devil, tell me about it because I've, you know, tapped into YouTube to look up videos, very helpful how-to videos about certain, you know, things about audio editing and audacity in particular. The algorithm knows I have some level of interest in that. And so it spit out for me this video, uh, I call it essay, maybe news article. I'm not quite sure exactly what genre to classify it is, but what it's like to produce podcasts for celebrities. Because as you, I'm sure, know, like everyone else, everyone has a podcast now. Sure. If you have an email address, you have a podcast. And this goes particularly for celebrities, particularly in that like B minus to D plus range, who might be famous for one specific thing or might be somewhat minorly famous. And they've decided to cash in to the extent possible doing a podcast about that thing or uh, adjacent to it. Um, Which quick, quick side on that. Like if it's between seeing people pop off on Twitter at random or really getting a chance to like, listen to someone talk, like I personally really enjoy the Bill Burr podcast. Um, I, you know, that that's a, it's a valid career move for growing a brand. I think. Oh, comedians are are the kinds of, people that can do very compelling podcasts because they're funny, particularly someone like Bill Burr, who's just fun to listen to, particularly when he's like doing long form stuff with like Joe Rogan. Sunny and Philly's real good. And the other genre that is popular is TV recaps, but done specifically by people who are involved with the show, right? We've talked a ton about Delta Flyers because we were covering Voyager and then they started doing the show behind us. There is an enterprise version of that too. That's uh, Colin Trenier and um, uh, the guy who plays uh, Reed. Um, the British guy who plays Reed. His name suddenly escapes. Dominic. Do- yes. Dominic Keating. But there's also everyone in this space is doing these shows, right? And the problem is a lot of these people don't know how to do a fucking podcast. And like you said, you know, like your interaction with this is you watch the show, you sit down and you record and then you just like fuck off and somebody else handles that. But you actually care. Like you took notes. You're ready to do a show. You know, we want to keep it to an hour and you are on board with me trying to keep it simple. It's a two track recording. We keep it in sync the whole time. We're not trying to. Do I'm not water. your boss. And, and it's not that one of us should always have the right away and the other person's just there to facilitate them. So we have a dynamic that makes it so that I can actually edit a whole pod out our podcast within a week, just in my spare time and get it out. Right. These poor people 
are busy being the bag holders for what I can only call to be audiovisual garbage that is being handed to them by these by these mid-tier celebrities who say, like, now turn this into a thing so that I, you know, some fucking beer money from Helix <laughs> Mattress or whatever, like whatever fucking uh, sponsor I wound up with. It is insane. The shit that they have to go through, like out of sync tracks, just like random interlocutors to the editor on this or that. And to go back and do this, you know, like it, it, you're talking about a minute of audio taking an hour type of work, hmm. which is kind of insane when these shows are like 35 minutes. You're talking and about this is a, like, a YouTube thing you watched. Yeah, like someone going through what it's like. And there was interviews with the people. It was really interesting. Send that to me. I'd be interested in seeing that. I just want to thank you, as my, my partner, for not being in a just a really annoying D tier celebrity. I I appreciate that your film career didn't take off from that one IMDb entry. Yes, while I am uh, featured on the Internet Movie Database and ergo a professional actor uh, outside, I mean, much like Will Smith, I am also not a part of the Academy. Uh, you know, I'm not <laughs> super serious. Uh, but I have been featured in a directed DVD presentation, and it is my pleasure to to work with the little people like you to to make entertainment possible. What entertainment are we making possible this week, Peter? We're going into season one, episode ten, "Fortunate Son." This is coming out first aired November twenty first, two thousand and one, written by James Duff. Here is a surprise for me, Joe. Directed by Lavar Burton, and not terrible. No, and that would bring his count of okay to <laughs> what a scale. It's just poopy. And then <laughs> the two things that are not poopy are okay and fucking amazing. Yeah, the very best episode of Star Trek Voyager, a B minus episode of Enterprise, and then dog shit the rest of the way. Acidic dog shit. Like like aliens dog shit, so when that shit hits the grass it burns through the grass and and falls out of the ground somewhere by our friends in Australia. I I think that it's downgraded a bit by a a trend I'm noticing in Enterprise episodes now that I'm looking closely, which is they just kind of fuck up at the end. (laughs) They're like not sure how to pay off what they build up. And so the last like 10 minutes gets real sloppy. This is this is the third time this has happened. Um it's I really want to discuss this as we get closer to it. So doing what we do, and that's falling back on Voyager. A lot of times Voyager would say, and basically here's a story we wanted to tell. And instantly we cut to an exterior shot of the ship flying off and roll the credits. Um, if I'm reading your complaints correctly, it's the fact that Enterprise hangs around to kind of fully explore what just happened. And those debriefings in this case between Archer and the captain of the ship just kind of have a, an off note to them. I didn't mind that as much as how they paid off the confrontation, the, the third act confrontation. That's what was sloppy to me was they did a good job of fleshing out the situation and giving you a ton of background as to what the galaxy is like, the kind of shit we live for, which really engrossed me what was going on. And then they get to the, okay, now we have to have the actual conflict happen. And it's like, what the fuck is actually happening right now? Like what's going on? We're not going to actually show most of the space related stuff after like the midpoint of the conflict. 
are just going to cut back to, you know, a, a six man, low energy, low cover shooter. The gunfights in Enterprise are so fucking bad. I feel that they are turning into a trope worthy of exploded shuttlecraft on Voyager. The amount of slow, thoughtful dialogue that can take place in what should be a fight for your life situation is just ridiculous. They they read Dostoevsky to each other while they were supposed to be having a gunfight at like 10 feet apart. It was, it was, that's what was fuck, fucking weird about this. Like that was where I'm like, what is this? Like, why is this how we're paying? Like the gunfight you had earlier where you trapped them in the car. Okay, we'll get to it. Let's, let's start talking about the episode. Well, hold on. Before we go into that, I, I had a thought that came to me and I, I, I don't know the right place to put it in. Some real shitty underhanded stuff is going to go on in this episode. Uh, specifically, yeah, trying to trap the Enterprise captain and most of his bridge crew in a kill box, in a yes. literal kill box where you ambush them and you and your goon are presumably going to shoot them in the head in a fucking cargo hold. And then that doesn't go well. So you strand them in the cargo hold shoot a hole in the wall so like atmosphere is venting out which i don't know if you saw aliens resurrection yeah yeah that's the one where the like queen gets sucked through the goddamn that's that hole. fucking yeah. like hybrid nasty half human half xenomorph yeah delta p did you ever watch that training video the most brutal of all health and safety training uh delta the the yeah delta p it's it's Basically, if you've got two containers with different pressures, it's mostly like so divers don't get caught in a fucking drain and get their legs ripped off or whatever. But that's that's what happens here is you get pushed up against the vacuum of space through a hole in the bulkhead. You get sucked inside. out. That's what they tried to do to Archer. Um, and that seems like super brutal but then you know they're they're okay and they're chill anyways my thought to this is back to how the vulcans fixed earth and i think there was like a genocide at some point and i think <laughs> that the vulcans killed a lot of mean bad people and maybe they did it on the sly and i think the result of that is a lot of the stuff you and i look at with like kind of this cutthroat viewpoint of hey the easy thing here or the smart thing here is something very machiavellian but it doesn't dawn on them. I think it's because the Vulcans have pruned those genes out of the human gene pool. I, it, you know, I hate, but love that you're mentioning this because there's literally an episode of this show that explores that thought. Not that the Vulcans did it, but I can't say anything else because it's an awesome episode. So oh, well, maybe there's something to what you're saying is what I'm saying. Like, that I'm the, saying that the, the, the evil was bred out of humanity. <laughs> that that the future of humanity is mostly stupid because the cutthroat realists got purged. I don't know. Um, so we're going to open up with this episode with a pretty cool freighter. Action begins on the ECS Fortunate, which I found out by reading the Memory Alpha was apparently just created using redress of existing sets. But they did a great job of making it feel different. Wow, you got something interesting out of the memory alpha because it's the the memory alpha is so bad at this point, and it was bad for a while in Voyager. But like the crimes of Enterprise memory alpha, 
these are big entries. It's just complete fucking garbage. Uh, what, what, what? Let me read you this chilling tale. Are you going to read about like the fact they did insert shots for other episodes, like on certain dates, and that's like also on Wednesday, twenty six September two thousand one. <laughs> um, uh, they also rem- the call sheet. Reminds the cast and crew members to get their Paramount photo IDs from the Pickford building this week. It was open until 6 p.m. The principal actors had and it goes on for like a pair. Who fucking cares? (laughs) No one cares. No in character fucking information at all. Just. ugh. But there is some diamonds in the rough. So apparently they created the fortunate through just set redresses, which they did a good job of making it feel like a different kind of ship like that was like older and more analog and lived in and uh it's a great job to all of the the crew people that did that surprisingly to me the this boomer faction is very interesting these are generational ships these are ships that move at a max of like 1.5 to the 1.8 rate yeah one warp 1.8 these trade routes they're running take what's he saying like a year or two years or something yeah it can take years between ports two characters who we will find out are the captain of the vessel keen and his first officer matthew ryan are playing a game of toss the football except uh they're doing it across a low gravity plating so it kind of hangs in the air for a little bit of amusement for themselves as they uh, are are spending their day and they're talking over like you know the ships like got a little bit of a list here because like the you know, jabroni is a J- jupiter station didn't fully uh you know fix it balance the there. weight load yeah i didn't get my my fucking tires aligned when i went to tire discounters and uh you know they're doing the 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 discussion you'd expect on, on essentially a space freighter and they get an alarm that they're being attacked by Nausicans, which I know Nausicans, they stabbed John Luke Picard in the heart, a known villainous quality to the viewer. But as we will find out, somewhat unknown to our protagonists and they go to deal with it. And that's the end of the teaser. We cut back after the theme song to uh, Archer getting woken up and uh, we, we have our, you know, our usual one of the guys has to be shirtless moment. Yeah, and, uh, and and just real quick, a pretty great opener. Yeah, uh, very clear, very clear stakes. You know, you've set up what's going on. Like these are the freighter guys. They're you know they're blue collar dudes in space, and they're getting attacked essentially by pirates because that's what. Nosikans and they make are. it look like this freighter's fucked too, right? This Nausicaan attack craft is coming in fast and hot, very agile, kind of like a, a fighter jet, and it looks like it's about to whip the shit out of this freighter. Uh, but yeah, cut over to Scott Bakula's fucking man jungle going on on his chest. He is a hair suit individual, and I sympathize. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, I, I, I do like, again, it's like the opposite of Voyager. They just got these guys' shirts off all the time. All yes. the time. These dudes cannot miss a day in the gym. The B plot for Enterprise is naked time. But he gets his shirt on because his boss is calling. And uh, it's Admiral Forrest. And 
He's like, yo, dude, what's going on? How are things? Listen, I got your last message about the, the got the cool comet stuff going on. You guys are just that fucking. Great. It was the comet. Wow, how cool. You guys are just killing it. You're, you're just banging out hit after hit. Nothing has gone wrong. We are totally not going to mention how you fucked up that whole uh, situation with the monastery at all. Uh, but hey, listen, uh, we got a distress call from a from a, uh, a freighter, and it would take three weeks for a different Starfleet vessel to go out there, but you could make it pretty quick. So can you turn around and check out what's going on since you're out I there? I hate to do it, but I'm calling you back in like, if if it's between investigating sea slugs or whatever the hell they've been mucking around doing or helping distress things like that's some real Starfleet shit. I need to talk to you right now. If I'm to understand this, I mean, we are now past the comet mm-hmm. and everything else like this should be pretty fucking far away from Starfleet. Correct. This should be the farthest away from Starfleet Enterprise Earth that that they've been how the before fuck you is say he- it before you say it this episode's memory alpha also points this out that this message and the thing the the screen at the end essentially is out of order of the episode where they drop the buoy that allows them to communicate which is referenced in this episode so That's this a was- hell of a fuck up yeah, so the episode where the buoy that permits this conversation to occur doesn't happen for like two weeks. So I don't know if this was they did an insert shot and forgot that it hadn't happened yet or what. But they were try they were trying because like the screen where at the end of the transmission references the buoy that they will yeah. later put out. Real quick, it's pretty terrific being able to hit the pause button. Because it's a shot high def and actually read the stuff that's on the screen like this to the detriment of this episode specifically, because as you said that, you know, this this is classic like, hey, we blew up the Delta Flyer. Now we've got an episode where we're back in the Delta Flyer and nobody's really mentioning anything. And then the next episode after that is when we rebuild the Delta Flyer. Um, But, you know, a, a big thing that I've come to several times is that Archer is making these course of humanity altering decisions shooting from the hip. Why isn't he talking to the president of Earth or even Admiral Forrest? Well, it's because they can't do real time communication. And here is a complete contradiction to that. So I, I obviously, you know, there's nothing you can say about it being filmed out of order. But um, I, I think the explanation is that they dropped that in uh, after they realized they didn't have a good scene to connect to why it is Enterprise was reacting to this. And they shot it and put it in the episode before they realized, oh, the buoy thing doesn't happen yet. <laughs> and I'm like, Fuck it. Moops. Fuck it. You know, whatever. It's an imprecise science making TV. So Captain Archer just kind of has this, you know, forlorn look on his face. Like, oh, gosh. And looks at old Porthos. I guess we're gonna have an early morning. Like, dude, you're all about helping freighters in distress. Don't you remember the the spider space spider victims? Like, <laughs> perk up, bucko. You're yeah, these are humans. These people you'll be able to talk to and they're not going to suck your juices out. Like maybe they won't even shoot you in the leg or make you eat armadillo or whatever one on a Terra Terra Nova Terra Nova. Yeah, they find the ship. It can't communicate. It's been in a battle. This is a Y class. Twenty three people warp one point eight. And also we get told that uh, in, in boomer speak, there's some fucking going on over there. 
Which brings me to something else I wanted to discuss. So the the second lead character of this episode is clearly Travis Mayweather, which of course it would be because this is an episode about boomers and we've established already that Travis is a boomer. He grew up on Starship and he grew up basically just in space going between trade routes and all that. This should be a great episode for him. And the script gives him a great episode to have and... I don't know if it was a year ago, we posed the question, who is the worst actors in Berman era Star Trek? And you threw Garrett Wong on there, rightfully so. And then you mentioned this guy who plays Mayweather. And you're right. Yeah, I don't know how else to put it. He is the worst actor in Star Trek. He is sub-community theater level. Like He's got a great smile. The dude seems like a really nice guy. I don't. I don't hate him, but like, oh, I he honestly feels like a, a AI, like a robot that like internalized what acting is, but has no feel for it. You know, like he understands what he's supposed to do. Hit your mark. Face this character. Say the lines. Maybe even emote in an appropriate fashion. Because there's like some there's a scene later when they when they finally actually talk to the crew of the fortunate and he's like in the background as basically the number two to Archer on the mission. And he's like doing like these little like facial things to like encourage the crew to like do what Archer's doing. But it's all like noticeable and almost exaggerated in in that way that like bad stage acting is because. And maybe that's what Anthony Montgomery's background is. I don't know. I've never actually looked into it. If he's a, it would not shock me to hear that he never did TV before this because he doesn't know how to not do the stage acting thing. He's where you too have to big. Be, he's always he, big. He has to. He has to exaggerate, and he has to be very clear about what he is doing because he has to communicate what he is doing to an audience of people in a theater, some of whom are in the back and and have to be able to see him. Like if I, if he is a theater actor, that makes a lot of sense. I don't think he'd even be very good at that, but it would make more sense for why his style is that way. I'm looking at his, his like roster of things. He's definitely, definitely did TV, but he, he didn't do a lot. He, he was on a show on the WB called popular. That was the biggest thing he did for 11 episodes because it's like a one season WB and then canceled show that went from 2002-2001. enthusiasm that he portrays in character comes off appropriate for a character out of Glee, not a dude who grew up on a gritty ass space freighter. Like you look at yeah. all of the other boomers that he gets compared to in this episode and there is nobody, anybody like him at all. And you take that bit you said about him being AI. I think if data didn't exist or, you know, also we weren't set like super far in the past. If it was Picard era or or something like that, or if he was a character on uh, the Orville and that's just like super chipper AI like a, a an android, I think the way he portrays this character would be perfect. But as a, a grizzled, I basically grew up in the the hellscapes of space, fighting off pirates, and and left this gritty sailor life behind. Like it, it's just such a weird fit. He wasn't a stage actor. He was did TV and movies. He was not super young either. He was twenty nine at the time this was happening. He's had he had some experience. He'd been doing stuff since 1998. He's just bad. 
I don't understand how he was the best guy. Like you said, he seems nice. Sure. He, maybe just yeah. charming in person. And they're like, you know, what? let's work with this guy. Maybe, maybe you'll get better. Maybe you'll get better. Right. And wow. He is the galaxy. What really struck me about the episode was the galaxy of difference between him and Scott Bakula in just that veterancy of Scott Bakula. He is a career actor. He has done real shit. He has done movies and television for decades up, up already leading up to this. And he is able to just do things because he can he can get into the to the mode like doing Star Trek is hard. You're not actually on a starship. You're on a fucking paramount, you know, fucking stage. You know, there's a billion people everywhere and you have to sell to the camera and the audience watching that none of that is happening. And you are a space person doing cool space person things. And that means you've got to act into things and act in things that aren't there and 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 do things and react to the environment in a way that is not entirely natural, but you have to make it seem natural, right? That's the challenge. And what what do we often see? The best actors on Star Trek are the people that have the most experience in acting because it is such a hard thing to do. Patrick Stewart, you know, was a you know, he wasn't well known by the time he was playing Picard, but he had been uh, doing work on stage, famously Shakespeare for a very, very long time before he even stepped into the role. Um, you know, someone like Avery Brooks had a ton of experience. Someone like Kate Mulgrew, you know, also someone who was a veteran actor who was capable of being able to provide that natural sheen to doing an unnatural thing. And then you put him in the fucking same scene with goddamn Anthony Montgomery. And it's like, Jesus, <laughs> like <laughs> this, this is like the Marianas trench of talent <laughs> between the two of them, you know, like well, not even that. I mean, the, the big, thing that stands out to me is when uh ryan the first officer of the trade ship and oh yeah, when he, have yeah. Dinner, and it's like i don't know who this other guy is and i'm buying his grizzled life as a, a i don't know some tortured soul working on a space truck and he's sitting across the table from someone else who feels like he's acting with a child it was bizarre in that the guest actor who was fine he wasn't like a le- he wasn't like Kirkwood Smith, right? Like he's just the guy they got to play this, mm-hmm. and he got got it dialed in enormously better than the dude who's the regular. You, okay, so how is this guy the regular? Like how how did they not realize after they shot the first season? Let's say you're you're stuck with them, right? Let's say you cast them, you put them in the show, you do the first season, he doesn't get better. Why the fuck is he on the show in the second season? In a sh- in a TV show where people do die and or get traded out. Yeah, you don't even don't kill him, right? Don't do the black guy dies thing, right? Like, okay, avoid That's that trope. Point. Avoid that trope. Have him trade out. Trade him in for someone else. Like, I got to go back and help my. family. I got to help my family. And like, maybe he meant she mentions in this episode. She's got a sister. Bring the sister on. Like, Ooh. she trades places. She's you know, like you could you could solve the demographic issue so that you're not doing like a thing to your one black character. I like, I get it. You don't want to do that. Why? And still, just get this guy the fuck off the show. Are you kidding me? I guess maybe they got a contract and so they couldn't or they're going to. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> fucking Star Trek has uh, all the other people they got. Did did uh, Jennifer Levin had a contract? I mean, it, it might have been for three seasons, but, you know, uh, again, the black hole of information surrounding her departure from the show. But 
two two things to that. One is I have to wonder what were things like for LeVar Burton working on this, especially with the amount of focus that's on Mayweather. If like LeVar Burton, because he, he had some I always liked the Jordan LaForge character. And the older I've gotten, the more I've I've gravitated towards Jordy as just a fucking cool character, right? Yeah. And you, you can joke of that he's an incel and this and that, and you know, because they've made him up to be bad with the ladies, but like I always liked that character. And up until I really fell in love with Bellana Taurus as a Klingon nerd, I think Jordy was my front runner for best engineer. But like, was it hard for this dude to sit there with Mayweather and be like man, this guy, like, I would have killed to have dialogue trees like this. And instead, this is how this guy's portraying it. Seeing him put side by side with Ryan, the other side, I don't even want to say it's the other side of the coin. Like, how could someone come out of this traitor lifestyle and end up like Mayweather? But I think if you had a guy like Ryan or Mayweather's behavior is more like Ryan. Like, listen, I've been out in the shit. It's scary out there. Sometimes you got to shoot first and ask questions later. Trucker justice. <laughs> um, it just that, that kind of almost what maybe Tom Paris was supposed to be like a little bit of that bad boy. Uh, but the, the guy that's like some, sometimes you got to slit someone's throat to take their space cookies, you know? In, and like in he, he could have really been a better version of the Mayweather character could have actually provided a counter voice to Archer in a compelling way, which is what's missing in all their interactions. He comes off as this naive doofus instead of someone who can go to the captain and be like, listen, I know I actually did this. Yeah, I've like, been through this and I'm going to tell you right now. And that's kind of what Chakotay was supposed to be for Janeway was like, this isn't the Starfleet way, but this is the way I can tell you that we'll survive it. And then Janeway says, you know, no. We're going to stick to principle. And by the end, they squeak through somehow and you could soften them up and say, well, maybe I should buy into this brave new tomorrow. Uh, but like, again, there's a lot of potential in this Mayweather guy and it is absolutely being run into the ground. So that's 10 minutes on why this character sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's it was really the thing that stuck out the most to me. Like it, and it's I think it was worthy of the digression. So. But uh, they go, they they get to the ship. They have to basically invite themselves on because it's beat, beat up. Uh, but Ryan and his dudes meet the captain. And uh, I think it's Trip, Phlox, and Mayweather that go over. No, it's it's Phlox and Mayweather. It's not Trip because they have to radio back to Trip. And they get information hesitantly. They have to basically talk them into allowing them to assist, including that they fought the Nausicans off after they tried to board. But the captain got clipped and they say he's recovering. And Fox is like, I am bound by oath to help this guy if he's hurt. I mean, I'm a doctor. I, I got to be better than what you have laying around. And they go and he's like super fucked up. <laughs> I had like a Nosican disruptor. I was like, you weren't going to let the doctor see him like rude. <laughs> it was always make me think like that the 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 hidden agenda here was that Ryan may have killed the captain for being weak or something malicious because the crew of this ship really pulls out all the stops to keep enterprise as far away from the insides as possible. So I was expecting something a little bit more nefarious than we have a secret prisoner. Uh special shout out in this episode to the uh civilian clothes at these freighters. I mean they they've got their uniforms but it's a uh, and I can tell you exactly what they are. Those coats, those are Dickies, Eisenhower, 
insulated jackets. I know that because I bought that for all the people in my company because those coats are awesome. <laughs> so I'm glad to see Dickies is still alive and kicking in Enterprise era. The, the civilian clothes of the 22nd century are just mid century, mid 20th century casual clothing. It's like finally, finally, we have just arrived at let's not do anything weird, guys. I, I I'm down for it. I like the grounded feel of it. We continue to have this ongoing plague of the Enterprise crew is stupid and requires exposition so we can fill the people watching at home in. And, and every time, well, we don't know what the Nausicans are. We don't know this. Like anything Earth has interacted with, you guys should be briefed on. You're supposed to be smart scientists. Read some goddamn books. I I know we need to do it to bring the 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 viewers up on what's going on. And looking back, I like the way they would do this stuff in Voyager where Tom Paris was just a fucking moron and everybody had to explain it to Tom like he's five. (laughs) And it sucks because it makes someone look stupid, but you could make that dumbass just a random crew member in the background like, well, it's a NASA kid. Oh, well, you see Timmy, Timmy dipshit. Or you don't even have to do that. You could just have... You know, like we were attacked by Nausicans and then Archer do the Nausicans, you know, the files we have on them is that they do, you know, that they're pirates, that they hijack a car. Like they, they could have built it around the idea that like Archer knows what they are, but sure. he's just never actually had to encounter them before. So he, he's his understanding of them is textbook. Like instead, it's I literally don't know what Nausicans are. I, the captain of the Warp 5 vessel on the fringes of known space, like this is like one of the things that Starfleet knows about. Like the, the humans have interacted with these people. What year did Supernatural come out? Because I remember the first couple seasons of Supernatural were just fucking unbearable. Because like, oh gosh, what's a vampire? Let's explain to each other what a vampire are. Do you remember what a mummy is? Like, sure, nobody knows what a fucking Wendango is, but like, uh, you know, what's a chupacabra? Uh, two thousand. What's two thousand and five? What's a ghost? Fuck? Yeah. So Jeez. I don't know. Maybe they learned uh, how to talk to the uh, audience through stupid characters from Enterprise. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, they eventually convince Ryan to let them help and like, we'll make your weapons better and we'll fix everything for you. You know, let us help. And he like, OK. And then they have the sinister music play and they go to the back corner of the back part of the ship and they've got a Noskin tied up that is uh, you're going to give me those coats. Like Ryan, Ryan does his best Batman with this guy over and Mortal over and over. Codes. Where's Rachel? Where, where's Rachel? Where is she? This ties right into what I was saying about how he sucks at being a cutthroat bad guy to the point where he just finally accepts a lie and like punching him, doesn't even think to hit him with the space pipe or anything that might actually. You of know, all the no- people that would know the power of the space pipe, it would be space truckers. And yet. Well, that's what not yeah, like the space pipe they use to like uh, hit the tires of the truck. <laughs> yeah. Joe and I have done many road trips for our shared filthy hobby that required driving two hours to neighboring cities. So I've been to a lot of flying J's and other truck stops for pee breaks and food and stuff. And truckers, you know, where, where they have all the fantasy cutlery, they've got those. <laughs> they're like a fucking nightclub. They're for at least hitting people. They say that they're for hitting tires. They're for hitting people in the head. 
<laughs> I never understood the knives. Like, not just knives. Like, if there was just practical knives, I'd completely understand. But, like, yeah, like, why do truck stops in America have fucking katanas? <laughs> like, because they're sweet. <laughs> like, I never understood this. Here we are at the goddamn pilot station because we're getting coffee in between our, our trips to fucking Fort Wayne so that we can be <laughs> goddamn vampires. Like, like the fucking 26 year old idiots we were. And it, yeah, you go to a, you go inside and it's like, here's your coffee. Here's your donuts. Um, here's your fucking CB snacker radios. Here's your CB radios. And here's some very, here's a batless. <laughs> like, yes. What? <laughs> truckers make good money they got to spend it on something that something has to be able to fit inside the truck ergo fantasy cutlery uh so anyways you know he's not good at beating this nasican up again i think there's real credence that gets lent to the fact that the mean genes and the effective like war criminal genes uh were eradicated from the gene pool they start uh, this, hey, we're going to help you. We're going to fix your engine up. We're going to treat the doctor. We got a little bit of downtime. You want to come on over and see an NX class? It's going to be real badass. We're going to show some stuff off. And I love like how Ryan's eye catches the transport. He's like, oh, shit. That's a transporter. I don't know about that. Thing. I hear it steals souls. Like he, he was, he practically says it, right? Like, what if Mayweather had started like Ryan. He was like a real grizzled realist. Dirty trucker guy. And then Mayweather got transported. And on the other end, he comes out real. Gosh, look at me. I'm going to help you out. What's up, guys? He's just like, what the fuck? (laughs) It flends the darkness from his spirit. What? Did he just get lobotomized? What the fuck? Did he get body swapped? But you right. could just like show the other people's eyes like, well, this is down for a time to lock out, tag out this thing. We gotta... <laughs> I know what that is now because of my, my promotion. Oh, yeah. Lock out, tag out's a big lock deal. Out, that's a big deal. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they did... That's a whole... transporter count as a confined space. Hmm. But this is the sequence we were talking about earlier where, where Mayweather's taking Ryan around and Ryan just acts circles around Mayweather and Ryan Mayweather looks like he's just like a kid taking like, oh boy, big brother, why don't I show you this thing and this thing? And the guy, like eventually they have their confrontation in the mess hall of like, you took the easy life. You you got out of the game. This is, you now you now you're living this life on this NX. Where's Rachel? You know, like he's Eating he's supposed to be grizzled. Steaks and pecan pie with your Vulcans walking around in a spandex leotard. How are you going to turn your back on your family for this easy life? Oh, real quick though, like major Chekhov's gun moment on that transporter. I thought for sure that that was going to be the solution. This was that they're going to beam them out or something. Uh, it doesn't get played into at all. No, it's just, again, to be like, this thing is weird. They've spent a lot of time, everyone being like, I don't fucking know about this thing. Rightfully so. Rightfully I love so. it. I love that they, everyone is like, this is some fucked up shit. I do not want my molecules splattered across the galaxy. This is evil. I played Doom. I don't want to go through the fucking pass-through dimension. The, the, the meat and potatoes here is that there is a resentment between the two of them that these are the, the opposite sides of the roads that could have been taken. Ryan divulges that he had actually 
uh, come from the horizon and the horizon, which is where the North his, star was in. North you know, star. Well, got, yeah. Ryan said he, w- he was on the North star, which was uh, a ship that was apparently destroyed by pirates. It was the, the horizon was Mayweather's family's ship. Um, and there's all kinds of cool details that gets dropped. Like, so they go, they go to engineering and they like drop off a pe- uh, like a part for trip to to work on because he's they basically have to custom rebuild it because there's because it's an old engine. And you hear Ryan mentions that there's a machine shop on board the Fortunate. And I just like that idea that like this this thing to keep it running, we literally have like the 22nd century version of a lathe and an angle grinder and like at a machine shop to make parts out of raw materials so when something breaks that's how we have a spare it's not like i have to go to a replicator it's like i have to like okay i've got my piece of deuterium or whatever i'm gonna fucking you know machine it into the thing i need it to be like think about this that's cool like that's really cool that that's that's cool the the entire this is a great episode for world building Mm-hmm. And the shame of this episode is that they don't broach money at all. And that, that's what I want to know. Who's paying for these freighters to go into operation? There is a real distrust of Starfleet, of the, the, the big government coming over, and basically the threat of the New World Order that a lot of these guys are, are very um, not cool with. So I would have loved to see the economy. What makes it worth it to do these two to five year trips, which seems like a very lonely existence where you're stuck with the same 23 people? Like, think about this. The longer runs, it's not hard to say that some of these transports could have been doing runs that were seven years. Like the time it took for Voyager to get home and all the shit that Voyager dealt with trying to get back to the Alpha Quadrant. This is just stuff people are signing up to be deep space, dealing with pirates and all the other horrors of space that I'm sure we don't really get to, to see how those guys died. And and a big part of that scene in engineering is Trip being like, oh, you know, here's the crown jewel of the of, of Earth, the Warp 5 engine. You're going to start seeing, you know, your trips cut down and what normally takes you guys five years you could be doing in a couple months. And Ryan pushing back, obviously part of this old school. No, you know, that that's the fun. That's the life. And we find out that, yeah, his buy in, he's got this traumatic thing he dealt with where his family died uh, on the freighter. And rather than coming back to the safety of Earth, he opted to stick it out there in space. And and they give you like the non-economic argument of like, we like being out here, proving ourselves, like being on the edge, doing doing man shit, I guess would be the right way to to. to characterize it sure but yeah i i wonder if there was just some ambiguity in the series bible at this point like is there money on earth is there standard economic activity on earth what is what does that look like they probably didn't know and so they just ducked the argument because they didn't want to contradict things or create like a, a paradox for themselves they just don't want to talk about that issue and let me say on the record that's the right call to make i would have liked them to talk about this stuff but i certainly respect the fact that they're like Money doesn't really fit in well to Star Trek. It's hard to explain how all this shit works. And rather than pour sand all over these gears and just grind it up and make it shitty, we're going to duck it. Because when they do show that kind of stuff in Picard, it looks oh, awful. awful. It's terrible. <laughs> and it causes fucking problems. So, yeah, I'd really like to see the economy stuff. Uh, I respect their decision not to go anywhere near it because it's just they're too incompatible 
entities. So we, we have like to Paul's barely in this episode. She basically interacts briefly with children um, while interacting with Ryan's number two. Doesn't really matter. Scene doesn't matter except that there's adorable children on the ship are proceeding with their mission uh, to help the fortunate get ready. But that's when to Paul's investigating finds out that, Oh, um, there's one additional life site on the ship and it's a Nausicaan. And eventually this leads to a, a confrontation between Ryan and Archer in Archer's ready room where he basically threatens Ryan with stranding him <laughs> in exchange for uh, allowing him to search his vessel without a warrant. (laughs) Like there's a clear, you don't have jurisdiction here. You can't actually make me do things. Super interesting. And this is something you would never encounter in next gen where there are earthlings who say you have no authority over me. And Starfleet says, you're right, because everything up through the 24th century, the new world order has taken over uh, all space traffic originating from Earth is under the jurisdiction of Federation starships and them the break. So this there is big energy here that's very reminiscent of the end of Red Dead Redemption, which is like the end of an era, the end of the Cowboys cars yeah. are coming the federal government is coming and your outlaw bullshit days are numbered. Particularly the, the, the first game is kind of the death of the West is the theme. The second, because it's a prequel is a little less deathy of the West. Like it's still in, in, in the air, but the, the best part of this scene is like archers like, okay, I know how I can butt myself into this. Hey, uh, commander Tucker, why don't you go back onto the ship and take everything you just put out? And he's like, sure. And it's like, you heard me trip. And Ryan says, you wouldn't do that. And they just they'd go for a real close shot on Archer as he's looking away from camera. And he looks towards the camera and says, watch me. <laughs> like, what a, what a, what a, talking about a big dick energy. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm definitely going to do this. <laughs> like, little does Archer know he's not the only big dick in the ready room. Oh, and- oh, yeah. And, uh, well, you're going to strand me out here. Well, I'm going to lure you into a fucking kill box and try to roll you. I- <laughs> what the hell? Ar- Archer, Archer, stri- Archer strips Ryan of status. So Ryan puts tries to tries to roll him in a back alley. Uh, literally. OK, yeah. fine. I'll take him over there. Well, where's he at? Oh, he- he's here. Here, no, no, way back in the corner. All you the way told back me you put corner. the harpy and torpor around the corner. I'm here to unstake him. So who? It's uh, it's uh, the God. What's the security guy's name? I always want to call him Dominic. It's not what. What Reed. is it? Reed. It's Reed. It's is to Paul in there? Yeah, it's Reed to Paul and Archer, and it's it's uh, Trip is in command of Enterprise, and then it's Ryan. And his tall, lanky goon who does not have any balls and I will later come to hate. And what again, like. What, what's your plan here? Because I can't think of it being anything short of just murdering three Starfleet people <laughs> while they're for all intents and purposes. Gunship is sitting there over your fucking shoulder. It, it is a truly bizarre take 
that, like, yes, I am going to start a fight. I'm going to murder these guys. And then I'm going to escape from their clearly superior warship. But I can go pick a fight with the Nausicans because I think the one that I was slightly tapping on the forehead gave me the keys to the castle. That is that is what this guy is thinking. It is not a good plan. Things do not work out. <laughs> What's missing from this episode is Ryan needs a heroin addiction. Or... <laughs> Something that helps him make the batshit decisions. Here. So, so they lure him in, and then to Paul's like, "I'm not reading Nolasican life signs, but there's a uh, a gunman over there in the grassy knoll." They start shooting, and, and then they're like, "You know, let's we're for whatever reason because we we're the slowest draws in the West. We didn't just shoot all these guys in the head." I do like that the the space truckers have the cool looking plasma pistol Glocks. But they go, right, well, we're going to strand them here in this cargo hold. I'm going to shoot a hole in the wall, as we mentioned before, which might suck everybody's fucking guts out. We're going to jettison this entire cargo pod off, which I'm guessing pretty fucking expensive. And then we are going to escape. So you've just gone from trying to kill a Starfleet captain to now leaving him in this Batman villain-esque predicament where it's Enterprise, you can capture me or you can save the captain, but you can't do both. Now choose. And trips like, oh gosh. Like, what a brilliant plan if the ship that is opposing you doesn't have both a machine that allows them to immediately extirpate <laughs> via, via space magic all the people you trapped and is like seven times faster than you. Like, and under no circumstances are is any part of this plan going to work. Not as that, not the whole plan isn't going to work. No, no, each individual part is not competent. Ryan, the, uh, the Nausicaan didn't give you the shield frequency. They're not going to be stuck in that trap very long. At a minimum, they can just transport them out. And oh yeah, they were able to traverse distances that take you years and months, or in weeks and days, or in in hours, seconds. Like, you're going to get caught. What's missing here is the part of the story where Ryan says that he watched his family be slowly murdered or tortured by the Nausicans, and he needs some serious PTSD baggage. That justifies Agreed. how stupid he's acting. If he, if he knew for some reason that these were the Nausicans that oh, killed yeah. his family, oh, that's yeah. it. I'm, I'm there. I'm with you. Like, now rationality is out the window. I want to fucking kill these guys, and these Starfleet motherfuckers are not stopping me. I'm going to find them, and I'm going to kill every last one of them because that is what I – that is justice. You know, like, that is that is what they needed to do here. Instead, it was this generic, we need to, like – you know, trucker justice this and not really and nearly enough to explain why you would do all these stupid batshit things all in a row. You just fix the entire episode. Uh, I'm going to try to proceed forward through the rest of this episode, not thinking that's what happened. So I can continue. <laughs> right. lie, but like yeah, every, everything we're, we're harping on here, like just the dumbest decisions over and over and over. So they, they strand them. For whatever fucking reason, they decide that they don't want to transport everybody back out, probably because Novacek's uh, rock face leaf brain is still fresh in everybody's memory. Yeah, you like they're thinking, like, we'll transport you out. And that's when like Novacek walks by and then he just like stops and just yells, Aah! you know, and then, then keeps walking. And they're like, never mind, sir, we're sending a shuttlecraft. 
when Meriwether is given the uh, the fucking tour to Ryan, he'd be like, oh, is that a transporter like Mayweather? And he'd be like, yeah, we brought a guy up and he had sticks in his eyes. It was crazy. I used to be like you until I went through. They said I got a brain bruise. So they go, okay, well, we got to scan for the fucking warp tailpipe signature, but oh, also not just shooting on the fucking, uh, the, the, the captain, like the freighter flat out is shooting like plasma cannons at enterprise. Yes. Everybody is complicit in this fucking act of, uh, I don't know, insurrection, war, treachery, treason, call it what you will, but like shit's real. I mean, oh, damn, is- they hit our long range shield or sensor, so we can't find exactly where they are. And the mother's like, no, I know where they're going. It's they're like going the for equiv- the Gnosticans. It's equivalent of getting pulled over by an M1 Abrams tank and shooting at it with a nine millimeter. Like, yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> like, son, son, what are you doing? <laughs> like, just stop. So now we're going to get to meet um, the real tall bitch. Uh, Ryan keeps it real. He's pretty hardcore. He's got a mission, but his the only other real crew member that we're going to get introduced to other than the captain who's been laid up. I don't even know if this guy gets a fucking his name is Shaw. Shaw. Yeah. To Paul to Paul. He gets his name from an interaction with Paul. You know, the I don't know what we're doing out here. I don't think this is right. He gets slammed up against the wall. You know, I need to know that I can count on you. Can I count on you? Yeah, I guess. No, no resolve on this guy. Minus the fact that, you know, he just, again, no, was no, because he was in there shooting at uh, our, <laughs> I just tried to help you kill three fucking innocent Starfleet dudes. Now all of a sudden I'm getting fucking cold feet, like too late, buddy. Ride or die. Um, I don't know if, you know, circle of violence and all that crap, whatever. So they fly to where they think that the Nausicaan ship's going to be. And they scan and they go, that's the guys. I know that whole signature anywhere. Let's go get them. Let's go take our fucking freighter over there and start some shit. And then the freighter goes around the far side of the asteroid. They find out they're in like the pirate bay. Yeah. yeah. Three more of these fucking things. They found the mob nest. (laughs) Like, and uh, they're like, well, don't worry. We already know their shield frequency. So let's uh, shoot them. And they don't know the shield frequency because the Nazca didn't fucking tell them. And so now they're like getting outgunned and they're all completely fucked. And the Nazcans are just going to take the whole ship. And he's like, let's stay and fight. We've we've beat them before. I want to jump back to what you said about all those adorable children. That's another big part of this that's missing. You are on a freighter, not a warship. You got fucking kids all over this thing. Like, no, no point does anybody say, hey, listen, we got families. There's little kids. And what do you think the Nausicaans are going to do when they bring our uh, when they disable us and board us? Again, this guy needs something to really bridge the gap of insanity uh, of this. Let's hang around and fight. What's the worst that can happen? Mindset he's in. So, oh, the scene where like. Mayweather questions if they should be involved happens here. It's it's we've already talked about it. So I'm just going to gloss over it real fast. The intention is like, maybe we shouldn't involve ourselves in trucker justice. And then 
uh, you know, fucking <laughs> Archer gets to be the guy to say, yeah, maybe maybe we shouldn't allow people to murder each other anymore. Maybe we should stop that. Maybe maybe we should provide some civilization to this Wild West. Maybe good. we're getting real about our space program now and we shouldn't let some fucking cowboy truckers dictate what our galactic policy with other alien races is going to be. So we need to start um, holding people accountable and, and, and knock this shit off. But Mayweather's side is just so flimsy. Oh, gosh. All right. They, like there's there's really no yeah. firm presentation of like this isn't our this isn't our business. This is the way it needs to be. And, yeah, and it's like, of course, Archer's position is going to be better there. Like, look, look what he's up against. Right. Like, even if Mayweather came with a fully formed perspective in the script, which I don't think the script necessarily gave him. He's very okay. unsure when he comes into the conversation. Um, I don't think like it was potentially defensible within the scene by, you know, if you're going to put him up against Bakula, like I also think crush him. the line that needed to be there from Archer was we've moved past war and revenge as a species. Once upon a yeah. time, maybe this would have been acceptable, but we have made a decision post world war three, nuclear Holocaust uh, that humanity is going to reinvent itself, that there is a brave new world tomorrow, and that it is our obligations to realize that and taking a fucking freighter full of truckers to go hunter killer missions does not fit into that plan. They determine where the space fight is happening to go to intercede. We get like the one and only time in the early parts of Enterprise where like apparently the NX-01 is actually well-equipped to fight because apparently the Nausicans suck even worse. Yeah, what a rough fucking place for the Nausicans to be in the galaxy. How many space spiders do you think have tore their asses up? <laughs> I do think it's interesting. That's why they pick they... on truckers, right? Like, it makes <laughs> sense. It's like, that's all they can get. Lose the truckers. Like, <laughs> how much do you guys suck? I thought the Nausicans were like fucking badass uh, warriors that... These dudes, realistically, I think, would get their asses handed them by the Kazon. Oh, God, no doubter. No doubter. Kazon would fucking rule these dudes. Yeah. Also, Nausicaan's not nearly as... Maybe it's just because, like, the last time I thought Nausicaan was actually a nemesis with, like, those scary-ass predator super Nausicaans. Mm -hmm. But these guys don't... And also, dressing like, leather coats... Um, yeah, they look like extras from a fucking Mad Max movie N and not one of the good ones. Yeah. So uh, as we look at all the things that are different in the old timey days, no red alert. Not a thing yet. Does that become a thing? Yeah. There's a whole episode about it. I mean, you just keep hitting these things like, oh, I noticed this. Like, yep. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need a way to let everybody on the ship know, quit fucking around and hold on to something. What do you want to call it? I don't know. Red alert. Yeah, let's. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of weird that they needed to invent it because red alert like is a Gene Roddenberry was in the Navy, which is why like he wanted to do Star Trek. And it's why there's a lot of like old timey naval the uh, terminology. The top deck. Yeah, like you have the con, all this like kind of authentic naval language. So it it's just 
it would have been battle stations to him. It would be action mm-hmm. stations like Battlestar Galactica, right? Like action stations, action stations, set condition one throughout the ship. That's not exactly how it works on a naval vessel, but that's the sort of thing. That's what Red Alert is based off of. Is you know go to battle stations. It that would still be a, a thing. timeline where they never had the great command and conquer game to set a set a tone for them. There you go. What will happen is the freighter gets its ass kicked and they get boarded by four guys who also come back into one of these cargo hold rolling rooms and get into a <laughs> the world's what was the worst gunfight prior to this? I'm trying to think. Oh, probably the fucking uh, Andorians on the on the Vulcan monastery planet. That was a real bad firefight, it right? Was like a, it was like a firefight, like from police story where like <laughs> Leslie Nielsen is three feet away from the other guy and they're both like below cover shooting at each other. Although now that I'm thinking about civilization, they had the big gunfight out in town times square, which is also super low energy. Take your time. Th- Enterprise is just a, a collection of stories featuring the worst gunfights ever. <laughs> There's going to be a point where there's a really good gunfight and you're going to be like, what am I watching? The, the the book that's written about Archer's career is like one shitty gunfight at a time. The, <laughs> the, trial, the, 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 the journey of the NXO one. That, is that going to be the name of our uh, this podcast? One, sh- one bad gunfight at a time? <laughs> I like that. Let's do it. But they have enough, they have enough time in this shitty gunfight to have this extended conversation over the comm about how he needed to give up the prisoners so the Nausikans would leave him alone. And like they, they have an entire philosophical breakdown while the bullets are flying in between the chest high walls <laughs> and the fucking barrels. It's so dumb. It's like an after school special. So the Enterprise ends up getting in a fight with the Nausikan raiders that just start shooting on them arbitrarily. The, the leader Nausicaan guy is the one kind of brokering like what the option is here. And I, I don't know enough about Nausicaans and like their honor system or whatever, but I found it real flimsy that they're like, just give us our dude back and everything's cool. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too much Klingon, but they'll be like, ah, fuck it. We're going to die in glory of or Kazon too. I guess we're going to die in the glory of battle. And also Here's a real ship worth pirating. We're going to take the NX one. No, give us our guy back and we'll leave you alone. Well, let me try and talk this guy off the ledge here. A, I thought they were just going to, again, beam them all out of there and, and save the day with the power of technology. But then Mayweather starts talking. And and you get more of this awful line delivery. So where bad. Ryan's like, dude, shut the fuck up. What, what do you get off the phone? And he says, Shut up and listen. I don't give a damn about you anymore, but I care about I'm just like, oh my god. So they talk Ryan off that ledge and Ryan lets Anasa can go and then everybody's cool and they all just zip off. Again, I weak, whatever. Uh, hey, jump forward a little bit. Now the captain's awake and he's trying to pal up Archer, who's being a total dick, refusing to have some fucking I don't know, some sort of special space whiskey. Yeah. So the, the coda is something you mentioned previously, which is this kind of awkward, almost out of place conversation where a character that barely was in the episode before now was the captain. He was just in the teaser. And then this is seen essentially. 
Um, you know, and they kind of like wrap up the story telling part of this, like all the world building of like what it's like out there. And that, you know, the Ryan is going to be reduced to just, he doesn't, he's not going to jail for any of his many crimes. He's just going to like have to scrub the fucking plasma Plasma coils. Like he's being punished. Three generations of, uh, you know, I'm third generation space trucker and you know it's a hard transition into this new world and we're going to be seeing a lot more of these nx class out there starfleets growing that's where you start there there is again a real solid thread in this of the expansion of the essentially the federal government into the private sector and that this way of life and that the frontier is gone and that there is going to be a new way of doing things. And there are a lot of people out there that are not okay with it. And I hope that this is something that they explore more because I think there's a lot of potential for some really great storytelling here, seeing how these, these people who are maybe don't even um, consider themselves earthers anymore, right? They were born in space. They live in space. Uh, The captain's got some cool world building that, the isolation is so real that these guys get extremely territorial. And if anybody gets within, you know, 10 light years of the ship that it, it creeps them out and they start acting funny. Captain seems like a good guy. I like the fact that the captain was clearly born on earth, but you know, he's kind of has this uh, outsider viewpoint on how these uh, space born guys can get these boomers. Right. And again, just, I'd almost like to see him be a reoccurring character somehow and Archer take him up on that whiskey offer down the road. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, Scott Balcula has Swiss cheese brain before he quantum leaps out of the end of this episode and forgets that. Yeah, this Ryan dude tried to fucking murder me in a back alley along with oh, yeah. my good friends. And That's, also your ship even bring it up <laughs> fired. You could say, well, you know, yeah, okay, they attacked the Enterprise. They were never going to win, and that was just, you know, silliness. But, like, yeah, dude tried to shoot me in the fucking head with a plasma pistol. Like, sorry, he's coming back in the brig. I I like the world building part of the conversation, so it's probably why it's like, doesn't stick out as bad to me. But, yeah, just the fact that this guy gets punished with demotion and having to do shitty jobs for the rest of the trip. And that, like, well, it's harsh out here. <laughs> and Archer's like, I just want to be done with this. And Lynn just leaves. What I would like it's to an see. It's an awkward ending. It is an is awkward ending. Enterprise fly off. And then Ryan look at the captain and be like, I- I'm still the first officer, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Fuck those Starfleet nerds. <laughs> Let's go back to that Nausicaan base and fucking kill everybody. Also, too, like, Enterprise just finding where a fucking pirate bay is and being like oh no big deal but we, we don't take any umbrage of the fact these dudes are fucking attacking earth civilians that are trying to grow our 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 influence and and supply I, I guess this is stuff for them to really look at deeper and i mean really the role of the navy is supposed to be to like a big part of that is to to deflect piracy so it's true well, we, we've talked this one to death, Peter. What's up next? A lot, lot to talk about, though. I mean, yeah, no, it was again, a fun conversation. It was just take that and compare it to ninety percent of Voyager, what just inconsequential, un- inconsequential bullshit. Like a lot of really great stuff here. So, well, I, this, I, I, hey, I'll take it also over going to the planet of unlimited breadsticks last week. Like <laughs> this, is, this is better. I, this was an improvement. There was more going on here. 
All right, moving into season one, episode 11, Cold Front. And there is uh, Archer in the picture. That's either a space map with a Jarvis-style interface or Archer's tripping balls. When Enterprise comes into contact with an alien vessel transporting stargazers to observe a spectacular... Oh, like people looking at space, not like stargazer clap. Mm. Mm. Uh, to observe a spectacular stellar event, Archer invites him on board the ship, not realizing that Silic, a Salubian enemy, is among them. Archer quickly realizes Silic is engaged in a nefarious time-traveling mission. I must stop him before he can tamper with the course of history. Well, I would uh, shit on time travel, but I know that's a big part. The temporal Cold War is a big part of uh, Enterprise, so it is what it is, huh? Oh, directed by Robert Duncan McNeil. Mm. Ooh, yeah, so... This is the return of that plot from the pilot. <laughs> like they haven't really touched it since then, but we go, we get back into it next week. All right, bring it on. All right. And we will bring you on to further episodes of Vizier, please. That will appear in this feed, just like the 200 before it. Good job. You did it. We love you. Contact us anytime. See you is next this week. episode 200. No, maybe. Oh. I, I don't actually know hmm. well, if it is. Good job, us. Good on us. Yeah. Good job, Joe. Good, yeah, good job to you, too, Peter. Thanks. I worked really hard on this. You did. You edited all of that. Mm-hmm. None of it. Yeah. I hate you. Mm-hmm.